0: Welcome to the Pages of Life podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Varim, and with me, as always, is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. How are you doing on this fine late evening?
1: Oh, I'm doing just fine. Um, Here we are. It's it's early February, and um, where am I right now? Uh, things are starting to ramp up at school got some new responsibilities going on and um, yeah uh, feeling good though excited to do another um, Brian McClellan book uh, and yes. to finish out this trilogy with uh, the right. Autumn Republic so yeah it's gonna be yeah.
0: it's gonna be good to finish this series off um, I'm trying to think do we is this the first like series we're finishing
1: Ooh, that is a good question.
0: I actually don't remember because we've done like other books that were parts of series, but I don't think we've finished an entire series, because we did some Brandon Sanderson. Oh, well, we
1: definitely. We're not finishing Dune. We're not finishing the Ender saga. Um, we're not finishing Wheel of, of the, Time. Well, I we might just not anytime soon. Like, well, yeah,
0: not 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 for this podcast for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so yes, this yeah. will be the first yeah, series just...
0: that we're finishing
1: hey look at that we're making history
0: yay okay we did it everybody
1: (laughs) podcast history right here (laughs) and how are you doing tonight
0: yeah i'm doing pretty good um it's a a late record session for us because we've been uh after the holidays we've been uh, a little bit lax and so it's just getting back in the swing of things with the podcast so we need to get our mojo back so uh so we'll give us uh, a few episodes and then we'll we'll be back at it with uh, full strength.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, it takes me a while to learn new like formats of doing things. And uh, I think that's we're true. getting there. So it'll be good.
0: Sure. So if you haven't noticed, Gabe is, has this new setup he's got going on here. So that's why it's a little bit of a later start for us as we're recording because we were messing around with making sure Gabe's setup was correct because he's got a new camera setup, a new lens a new microphone he's got a bunch of
1: new stuff um so this is actually all old stuff uh but tyler sure. did come over and uh me set it all up and it is a new recording setup for me so i've had this equipment um and i've just been doing it off my mac for ease of use but i'm trying trying to get into recording my own um youtube videos again and uh start editing and i'm just looking for a more permanent setup so um yeah thanks for coming over and helping out um yeah i hope to get these uh these shelves mounted up here so that i can get um like the a different arm attachment that will hold this camera and i can kind of like pull it down into place i think that'll be good right
0: yes and i'm actually also recording on a new camera um I have, for Christmas, I got an Elgato face cam, so I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it or if I'm going to go back to my Canon M50 with uh, um, a little bit nicer lens, so I'm recording this episode, and I'm just going to see how I feel about it, but I might go back to the Canon M50, uh, so we'll see, uh, let me know in the comments what you think of the video, <laughs> uh, so it's just a little bit more, it's a smaller setup with the with the Elgato face cam, and the M50 is a little bit more of a, a hodgepodge kind of thing with the fake battery and the and the the you know the power and the micro USB cable and all this kind of stuff. So, but we'll see what happens. But all of that aside, we are happy that you are here and you're listening to us. Um, make sure you check out Pages of Light on social media. We're on all of those different platforms. YouTube, uh, subscribe on YouTube if you want to check out the video version, and you can also check out our website pagesoflight.com. And as we mentioned before, we're going to be doing the Autumn Republic, uh, book three of the Powder Mage Trilogy. And for this episode, we're going to be doing chapters one through twenty seven. So that's about halfway through the book. If you have the paperback, that's about page two hundred and eighty ish. And so, yeah, that's going to be good. And yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to jump into this so we can f- finish out this series and we're just going to jump in with our with our favorite quotes uh Gabe you want to start us off with a favorite quote
1: sure yeah um so mine is a short quote Tamas opened his mouth once then closed it trying to think of an argument against this that didn't end with because I say so he couldn't come up with one hmm. so this is when Nyla is coming to the um treaty with Italy and she's being part of the Adran Republic cabal. Right. And so, um, I think it just speaks to, um, Tamis understanding how things work. Cause if you just rely on like, like I think about this with parenting, if I just rely on because I say so all the time, I think it makes like, right. It kind of like undermines your authority because you have to rely on like, well, because I'm in charge of you, you have to listen to me and not like being well-reasoned and like giving like, um, you know, good reasons for the choices that you're making and so that you're, you know, that you bring people on board. And so Tamas is recognizing that like, what he really wants is just to, to bar Nyla from coming to this and but he realizes that like it's only because him so he makes a more humble decision and just says i'm gonna roll with this because the only reason that i can really think of is because i just don't want her to come right um so um i think that speaks to a little um i can't place my finger on any scripture right now but i feel like if i thought about proverbs long enough there would be some that came to me (laughs) about this one i do have some proverbs Um, so that was my quote how about you which one did you choose
0: yeah so i have um this is bo talking to nyla and he says always ask why it's not enough to know the what of something a privileged always needs to know the why it helps you learn how things work which aids in your manipulation of the else and I just like this quote because I think that's just good in general, like life advice, like even not from a Christian perspective. Like it's good to challenge yourself and try to figure out like why things are happening the way that they are and not just saying, Oh, this thing happened, that's interesting, and then just moving on from there and not digging deeper to any into something that is maybe, you know, like a news story or something philosophical that maybe um, conflicts with your own worldview. Um, so figuring out and trying to dig deep, um, and figure out why something is happening or just why people believe things the way they believe them. If you're having conversations with um, people who aren't Christians, just like figuring out like, why do you believe what you believe? I think we've talked about this kind of concept in other podcasts where, um, just asking questions like, what do you mean by that? Like somebody says, I think this, this, and this, And then say, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Like explain further about why that is the case for you and why you think those things are true about uh, the world or, you know, whatever topic that you're talking about. Um, And I think that will just give you like a deeper understanding of people's perspectives and a deeper understanding of the world in which we live in. And so that could be applied in non-Christian ways and Christian ways. So I thought that was just a good good, uh, comment from Bo here as she as he's uh teaching nyla about uh the ways of being a privileged so
1: yeah yeah i like that quote and what comes to mind just off of the comments that you made uh is stephen cubby's uh seven habits of highly effective people and i believe habit number six is seek first to understand then be understood um and that just kind of pops into my mind when you like when you want to know why people think the way that they think, and that just leads to a deeper understanding of that person. And like, um, you can speak to them more personally because you understand where they're coming from. If you take the time to, right. to understand them and ask them why they believe the things that they believe. Right. Yeah. Cool.
0: So those are our favorite quotes. Uh, if you have a favorite quote from this section of the book, leave it down in the comments as always. Uh, love to see you guys have a discussion down there of what's going on. Um, now we're going to jump into some of our book discussion. So I think we'll kick off with just looking at some of our characters and where we left them off in book two, and what's happening in book three at the beginning, just to kind of get our bearings. Because um, for us, it's been a while since we read book two, so jumping back into the world, it's good to you know get a refresher of where where do we leave our fearless heroes here. So I think I'll just start off with uh, Tamus because he has the uh, first two opening chapters here. So Tamus, as we as we all remember from Book Two, was in this weird situation where he got trapped behind enemy lines, and he was throughout the whole all of Book Two he was trying to uh, survive and make it back into uh, the kingdom of Adros so that he could, uh, you know rejoin the war effort and not be on the run from the kez and so he's managed to do this by the end of book two and he's managed to get back into adro and so for uh him he's starting off and he's returning to uh the city of adipest the capital in the middle of adro and he comes in and he finds like all the churches have been destroyed um, which we saw at the end of book two because lord claremont has arrived with all of his uh ships that he had sailed down through ricard tumblers canal that he had been building uh as uh for like for trade and that kind of stuff and so he's kind of taken over the city and he's running for is it the first prime minister is that the phrase that they're they're using i think
1: i believe so but then again i could be wrong
0: (laughs) but it's something like that he's basically running for like leader of the of the the state or whatever so Mm -hmm. um and so he's doing that, and but he's doing it. Yeah, I guess he's he's not a fan of the of the church, and so he's been destroying all of the the churches. And Tamus does not really like that because he makes a comment in the beginning where he's like, "This church is like three hundred years old, and it's like blasphemy almost to kind of you know do this to uh their state religion," and so he's kind of mad about that. Uh, but he can't really worry about that right now because there's a war happening, and uh, he needs to go down there and figure out what's going on with the war and he's also trying to figure out what's happening with his own son because as far as tamis knows the last time he saw taniel was that he was in a coma in that mala den um just uh with ricard tumbler kind of watching over him um and so he goes back to ricard tumbler and asks him like hey you know like what happened to taniel he woke up obviously so he just kind of gets all the details from uh, ricard of all the things that he knows that happened to Daniel. and so he decides that he needs to go back uh, to the war front uh, well he needs to win the war but i think he does have a, a greater purpose of getting his son back because i think the experience that he had in book two made him um, it made him realize like how much like how he hasn't v- really been a very good father and that he needs to do better with that. And as we will see later in the book that like they do try to really make amends with one another, uh, whenever they, uh, finally meet back up with each other, um, later on in this book. So that's where we find Tamas. Uh, do you have any comments about Tamis's story? Do you want to jump into Daniel and Capole?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like your observation that, um, you know, Tamas is feeling like drawn that he needs to be part of the um, like be a better father to Taniel and I think that right. is a lot of, like we see that motivation come through in this book where it hasn't in other books um, so um, Taniel and Kapol they are on the run from the Kez so Taniel discovers that Helenska um troops are um, the Adrian troops are hunting him down. Um, and he and there's several like little vignettes almost of Tanya like thwarting the people that are coming to um, right. to like capture him and Kapol And then we have this kind of like scene with, when he is like returned victorious after he's like broken all these air rifles and left them like bent. He's like basically sending them a message. I could have killed every single one of you while you slept and right. I did not. And now you don't have guns. Now you need to leave. Um, yep. so, but I mean, there's two companies and I don't know how big a company is, but that's a lot of people, <laughs> um, versus one, one guy. Um, and cop is like kind of like camped out. And I, I, I think they're in this. like I cave. don't think. Yeah. See, yeah. I thought I remembered a cave. And she's got this, like, big ritual going on in the cave. And Daniel's like, what are you doing? And she's just basically like, I got Kresimir right here. And, you know, she's mute, so she doesn't right. say that. She does all of her hand motions and everything. Um, but she is such a powerful bone-eye sorceress that she is able to contain a god at distance, day in, day night, like, all the time. Um, right. So Kapol is like crazy powerful. Um, yeah, and, and she's just like, I'm experimenting. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm <laughs> I was just gonna trying say that. my best seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anything that you want to add about this part?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just like those, I did like that scene where she where he's like talking to her and she's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to like do my best to figure this all out. And he's like, what? why would you do that? That's not a good idea it's like that scene later in the book whenever nyla trying to do her like finger magic thing and all the people are just like slowly yeah. slowly back away <laughs> so you don't get exploded by the <clears throat> the novice pri- privileged over here yeah um <clears throat> but yeah i also like those scenes with Daniel trying to uh do his best to slow down the people and i like this i liked his inner his inner monologue as he's going about and doing this like he 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 goes initially he goes into those camps, like to kill everybody, but he's like These are like Andron soldiers, like he maybe fought with some of these people. Uh these are his countrymen. So like he he goes there with the intention of killing them all because he's like if I kill them then they obviously they can't come after me anymore. But he's like struggling with the idea of killing his own countrymen. Um and so I like kind of that inner monologue. And there's even like I think he's just showing because in previous books like he's he's mentioned things like all i'm all i'm good for is killing and like that's been like the thing that he's all been about and that's like all he's good at and so and- i think he's like i do i really have to kill them like i, I guess i don't have to um I, it might make it harder for him but yeah so i just kind of like that the inner monologue that he's having with himself about the the challenge to kill or not to kill people in general and his own countrymen so Gabe's got the microphone up. He's going to say something important here.
1: (laughs) So um, (laughs) just sidebar note, (laughs) um, you'll probably need to go back because my cat was like right up on the microphone (laughs) and and, like much closer than I was. um, And that's why I moved the microphone. (laughs) So feel free to like cut this part out. But we left with I had something really important to say. And I do have a good response for that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Continue. It's okay. We like, we like,
0: we like cats in the podcast. That's fine.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so my, my thought was like, that's the way that Christians need to like approach life. You know, the Taniels thought line, like these are my people. Like, you know, if I hurt them, that is affecting like other people's lives. And, you know, as Christians, like you will encounter people that are, you know, we are all on the same team. We are all trying to get to heaven. Like that is the goal. And there are people who are walking towards the light and the majority of people are walking away. And we are in a house that's on fire and we're just trying to grab people and like get them to come with us. Um, And that's like like that's how you need to look at people even when people are mean they're bitter and you know like you can treat them like kindly and with respect and over time that that does build up credibility because i've had i've had some people in my life that have just been so <laughs> like anal retentive and just right. like hard to work with but like the diligence of my spirit is just to like work with them and be like, okay, I'm going to give you all the respect that you deserve. I'm going to give you no reason to like, you know, like not want me to be part of the team. And just like, it has, it has paid off in the long run. Um, so like, yeah, that, that description, like, I like that you brought up that description there because it just sparked that, you know, from the Christian worldview, like we're all on the same team and we need to, um, have compassion for others, uh, even when they are prickly and, and not the easiest to get along with. Yeah.
0: And I mean, speaking of like major themes, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later in the podcast, that is somewhat of a theme in this book, at least in the first half of like the struggle between like, are you killing and you're doing bad things, but you're doing them for the right reasons. And what is the, Where is, where is the line in terms of your morality? Um, Cause like Nyla is also dealing with this cause she's a privileged and she has all this power and she has the ability to, you know, create mass havoc and mass death around her. And she's scared of that power. And so she doesn't know, should she wield that power for good by killing the quote unquote bad people to save the people that she loves um, so is that a, is that a moral thing to do is to kill other people to save the people that you love and like. So it's just an interesting dynamic. And I think Daniel's kind of dealing with a similar scenario where like, it'd be easier for him if he would just kill them is that way you wouldn't have to worry about them coming back, coming after him again, but they're his own countrymen and he, you know, he doesn't really want to kill them, but he might have to do it out of necessity. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, con- a conundrum that they both face in this book. But yes, so you had some good points there from the from the Christian worldview perspective for sure. Um, yeah. Did you have anything else on Taniel and Kapole at least at the beginning of the story? Otherwise, we'll jump just, to. Uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, I was just gonna say that Kapole is basically saying to Taniel that she can't move Krezimir. So, oh right, yeah. Like, um, he's gonna buy them a little bit more time, um, to try and figure that out yes um yeah
0: (laughs) taniel i feel like taniel gets annoyed a lot of times with because she can't talk and she's just like i have to do this and that means like taniel just has to like figure it out on his own because Capole is not going to come with him because she's not going to leave her super powerful magic doll things just laying around in the cave for anyone to come up and find um so
1: and i feel like if she leaves like kresimir is going to be another like back on the you know, back on, on the, the chessboard. Mat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. So that's where we have uh Taniel and Kapol at the beginning of the story. And then we are going to move now to Adamant, Bo and Nyla. And they're kind of a trio at the beginning here. So, um, they're all together because Adamant struck a deal with Bo where Bo wants to go and try and help save Taniel and get his name cleared from the charges that were brought against him by, uh, General Hilanska and so Adamant's going to go help Bo figure out this stuff with Daniel, And then, in, uh, I can't remember, don't know what the word I'm, what I, what, what the word I want is, but, uh, and in return, Bo is going to help Adamant find his son who was taken by Lord Vetus's men and sold into the slave trade, essentially, uh, from what I understand in, i don't remember the location that he was sent to um, but he is basically off and he's at the slave trade so adamant wants to get him back and he thinks that Bo is one of the only people that can help him because he's super powerful and he can handle a lot of people at one time and get into places that normal people wouldn't be able to get into so this is the deal that they have and so we at the beginning we find them they're going to the warfront because they're going to try and investigate things that are happening with uh taniel and so they're doing a bunch of investigation they're trying to figure out what he was doing before he was captured and nyla gets a bunch of uh she goes to the oh who does she go to gabe she goes to i don't know if this is what they use but it was essentially like a like a quartermaster like someone who kept all the records and the notes and stuff of what was happening
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah so she goes goes, to the quartermaster
0: She goes to the quartermaster (laughs) and uh so she gets all of the details of what uh what Daniel had requisitioned uh, for the war effort. And um, they find something interesting where they find this one report that is dated for after he was captured. And so that is a red flag to them that somebody had forged that particular requisition. And the requisition was for, I think it was for like a ton of uh,
1: air rifles, yeah,
0: air rifles, because only powder mages can requisition, um, air rifles is that the is that the is that what 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 it was it was something like Like tamis puts
1: it yeah tamis put him on lockdown he said like only you know um like the powder mages can get these out of storage because we need these and then that's when Bo puts two and two together and says um holanska has outfitted these two companies to go hunt taniel and then um that's when he and Nyla part ways. I believe they're in the coach um, right. with um, uh, uh, Etan, Lady Wenceslav.
0: Yeah, Wenceslav and uh, um, well, they have they're with Adam. General Etan as they're traveling away from the camp. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I've got I have the timelines a
1: little bit a little bit off there. Um, yeah, because they escape with Etan, um, right from Halanska's camp right uh and then they make their way over the um wings of adam yeah right
0: um so anyway i kind of jumped ahead a little bit there but um that's okay so the, yeah so they're investigating and Halanska like doesn't really want them sniffing around his business and so he captures adamant and all of the other uh soldiers that were accompanying him which are Basically, there was like a group of soldiers that Tamus gave to Adamant to help him capture, uh, track down his family and help to defeat Lord Vetus, which we saw in book two. And so these same soldiers are with him now, uh, led by Oldrich, I think is his name. I'm not sure what his rank is, but Oldrich uh, says his last name. And so they all get captured. And so Bo and Nyla, they come and rescue them and they escape with uh, a sympathetic uh i think it's colonel sympathetic colonel uh etan who was also he's the one who was uh friendly with taniel and told him that he was a coward if he didn't try to like come back and win the war um we talked about that in uh uh our book two conversation if you want to go back and check it out i'll put a link to it down in the description along with uh book one as well promise of blood so you can check all of those out if you're just jumping in at the beginning of this book um So they escape with uh, Etan, and this is where, yeah, they kind of get separated. Um, So Adamant goes along with uh, Etan, and he goes off to the wings of uh, Adam camp. And then Bo and Nyla, um, they're kind of off doing their own thing, and they capture this uh, messenger who is sent from General Hilanska, And this messenger was supposed to go to the Kez, and he was supposed to be delivering a message to them because Helanska and the Kez are in cahoots. And Helanska is going to try and uh, basically the 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 uh, the army is divided. There's like a civil war here. And so there's there's Halanska. he's part of the Andron army, who is like broken off of the main army, and then there's General Ket, who is part of the Andron army and she is on the other side of the civil war. And so Helanska's is going to try and to, uh, join with the Kez and try to defeat the rest of the Andron army. And so I'm not sure exactly what his full plan was. Cause I don't remember if we really get it all spelled out of what his like general plan was with the, with the Kez, like, were they just going to like let him live or something? Or I don't know if you remember anything, any specifics about that. Or
1: yeah. Not? I don't think that they go into the specifics, but, um, yeah, so we we have, like, four military companies that we're kind of following. So right. we have, like, we have Ket and Helanska, and they are both accusing each other of being traitors um, to right. Adro, and then we have the R- Wings of Adam, the mercenary group, who is trying to just save Adro, and they're kind of, like, not in a Civil War state, right. and then we have Of course the Kez who are trying to invade the country. And so yeah, it's um yeah, the whole civil war thing uh threw me for a loop because it's hard to keep track of what's going on. But yeah, at the end of that they just say like after the coup like happens and they take out Ket's army, um it was kind of unclear what would happen to the Adran army because you have a bunch of faithful you know, servants of formerly the crown and now, you know, servants of Adro and like, they're going to see that they're joining the Kez and either they're going to be like, okay, which, you know, these are some of the toughest warriors in the nine toughest soldiers. Like I don't see them being like, yeah, we'll just join with our enemy of so many years. So I feel like, you know, Ippoly's like, we have enough, people will just occupy your country and we'll just kill off all your countrymen I feel like that's kind of how it would have played out right. because like you know everyone there has their own independent will um, yeah
0: yes um, so that's basically what's happening and so we have adamant and he goes off to the wings of Adam because he in order to prevent kind of this civil war from escalating he's going to suggest to uh, general abrax of the wings and also lady wenceslav who is the leader of the wings uh so he wants them to so basically he knows that ket is also a traitor in her own way like she's done some bad things and so what he wants them to do is to relieve ket of command and to adopt all of the uh soldiers into the wings of adam and so now all the soldiers are going to be in the wings, and none of them are going to be on Andrian soldiers, and so there's going to be nobody for, like, that will kind of, in his mind, like, stop the civil war, because there's no, there's no Andrian army for him to fight, because they're all in the wings of Adam. And... This is kind of his suggestion. And then I think it's like the next day, Bo and Nyla also arrive at the Wings camp and they have information about Helanska that they got from that messenger that they captured. And so now they know what the what the grand plan is going to be, that the Kez are actually going to be uh, attacking in the very near future and that they all have to get ready. And so kind of towards the end of this section, we have uh, Ket get relieved of her command. All of the troops from cat's commander adopted into the wings and so basically all of these soldiers are now in the wings and so the only andrew yeah. soldiers left are the ones that Tamus is bringing with him
1: from adipest and and uh the deliv soldiers so go mm-hmm. ahead yeah uh so yeah just another christian thought about like authority so in this you know we just had this discussion on like What would the Adran soldiers do if they were told to, like, go join with Kez? And um, when it comes to the authority of God, you know, if you're if you're a Christian, like his authority should be absolute. And um, we look to the Bible for what God wants us to do with our lives. And so, like, even if it goes against the culture, even if it goes against what everyone expects of, like, quote unquote, is, is expecting of you, like you are to, to follow God because that like God is good. And like, even though it doesn't make people feel good when you do, when you follow God, like we are called to follow God. Um, and then on the reverse side of that is like submitting to human authority. Like, you know, there is like, There is like government and like, you know, we have positions like in society. And I think that God wants us to acknowledge that, like, yes, there are structures here that keep us safe. But at the same time, there's also things that like, you know, when when we are getting into the realm of like violating God's laws um, so much that it's just not that you can't stand for it anymore, then there is a time to stand up. Um, right. And then refute, you know, the human authorities over you. Um, and that could be like a, a government authority or like someone at work or um, just like in a social group. Um, right. Yeah. And then like, I'm not telling you to go out and just, you know,
0: <laughs> revolt. Just
1: <laughs> revolt against everyone. I'm not right. saying that, um, but I'm just saying like that, you know you know, we should always be looking to the Bible for how to act. And, um, and we always need to handle every other person with grace and care. And then if you're really not sure, like what you should be doing in a situation, like find a godly person, find a mentor at your church, seek right. them out and say, this is my situation. You know, help me discern what God wants me to do you right know, here. Yeah. There's that proverb. I don't
0: remember the first half of it, but it's like there, uh, uh, in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom or something like that. I know Dave Ramsey always, will Oh use yeah. that
1: Proverb. Um, I love that proverb too, because um, yeah, like I, like I tell my wife, like we will always seek wise counsel. Like when we are under, like when we're doing something for the first time
0: mm-hmm. or we
1: are trying to do something bigger than we've done before. I'm like, we like, mm-hmm we are always going to seek wise counsel. We are always going to try and get multiple perspectives and then we're always going to try and do like what's best and what God is kind of directing us to do. Um, right. Because a lot of people just will seek their own opinion and, and you know, who can't tell you your blind spots yourself. (laughs) um
0: yeah there's like confirmation know. bias like you want to have your own opinion validated so you oh, just yeah. you just look for things that validate your own opinion and
1: not something that will challenge it correct yeah and i and i like to use like the the three like in good research you should find three independent sources and like the things that are common between those three credible good academic sources like those are the things you should trust Because you can always find an article that has like an outlier perspective. And then like (laughs) it's safer to just have like three different trustworthy sources telling you the same thing. Right. Because a lot of people like to read one article and and claim it as say it, claim it as gospel truth.
0: This is the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Although now don't do that. Although (laughs) now it's more like this is my truth. There's there's a lot of rejection of the truth that's more of this is true for me and it's kind of much more subjective but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole but yeah, i like what you said about the authority because it's there's definitely a line of like you're supposed to respect the authorities that are put in place because god has put them in place and that he's put them in authority over you know whatever area that they're in authority of and but there's that's like up to a point of where the people in authority are supposed to be um, like, at least if it's like governmental authority, like they should be trying to do the will of God. But if they're doing things that are anti-biblical and they're asking you to do things that are anti-biblical, you know, that's the time to say, hey, like you're saying I should do this, but the Bible tells me I need to do this. And it's completely opposite. Like in that scenario, you can't just leave your you can't leave the biblical truth and just do the thing that the person in authority says, because you have an authority that's higher than that person. You know, God's an authority over that person, even though God maybe put them in their position, they have authority over certain things that God gave them, but there's a, something that's higher over them that we have. Uh, that's our true authority. So just important to keep that in mind as well as you're just living life in general. So
1: that's a good word
0: indeed um yeah i don't think we had anything else with that section you want me to
1: jump into the battle with the kez
0: oh yeah go for it this is a good section here
1: yeah so um tamas also arrives on scene he does. um
0: he gets everything and in order.
1: uh yep and he's like uh you know we just need more time and they hatch this plan to get um a code breaker from the wings of Adam. And they send a coded message from basically it's like a oh, fake by the way. Message. Yeah. Well, it's from Tamas right. and uh they looked at Holanska's like communique and we're like, we should use this like language and diction, like when speaking and communicating with the kids. But yeah, so him and Halanska are like having this like meeting. He was like, "Halanska, come with me. And then like, Holanska just stabs him and runs. Like,
0: <laughs> I know, what a crazy scene. I,
1: oh, my gosh. And then, like, Tamas is, like, bleeding all over the place. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, like, this happened to me in the girlish war. And I got all infected in there. and um, right. ah, Terrible. And he was like, he was a groomsman at my wedding. Like, how could you, like, someone at your wedding that you, like, trusted, like, goes know, and betrays you in this in this huge way, um, people just look out for themselves. Yep. Um, I think this is tendency. a scenario where like he's in like way
0: too deep. Like he can't, he can't, there's no escape from the, like the position that he finds himself in. So mm-hmm. he basically has to, it just like, it's either he just gives up and he gets court-martialed and he's probably going to get executed. Um, right. or he has to run away. So that's, I think it's basically this the decision he has for himself there. So, unfortunate but so, yeah sorry continue
1: yeah okay um so tamas is looking at the kez army which like is like a quarter of a million people and just like right you know he's, he's happy about the Della bringing sixty thousand people like i don't think um tamas is fielding fielding that many people um and so during this time uh tamas is like coming up with a plan and uh yeah help me unpack this so um Holanska's troops are now Tammas's troops and right they they are planning to attack the Ket army which is now run by Abrax and the wings <laughs> and, yes and the wings and then they figure out that they are now on the same side and then they are going to attack the Kez but that, that right
0: that yes but that information is not disseminated down to the lower ranks like a brax mm-hmm. knows what's happening and because there's there's that scene remember where like a brax tells one of the like the lower commanders of the wings like hey hold your fire because the the uh Holonska's armies are coming and mm. he's like well, hold my fire why would i do why would i do that they're gonna come kill us um but there's there's some higher level play happening where it's like a it's like a fake like they're gonna pretend that they're on the same side, and then they're gonna turn, and then they're gonna have a unified front after that. So there was some. It was one of those things again where like in book two, like the like the the command level knows what's happening. Like Tamis is making a decision, but the yep. lower people don't really know what's happening, and so there's that balance between, you know, should you shouldn't you be telling your lower troops like what's happening? But this might have been a scenario where. There just wasn't really like time to like tell everybody what was happening. They decided to like make these decisions really quick. And the only people that could know about them were the upper level command because they could make the quick decisions to make everything happen. So yeah, it was kind of a crazy scenario of events happening because we kind of got this from Nyla's perspective where she was like, we're going to die because the people are coming. And then she's like, they're turning away. We're not going to die. But then all of the Kez armies come as well. So maybe she was Mm going to die anyways. That didn't happen, as, yeah. we, as we'll get to.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that I mean, like I've I've worked in, um, like, school slash business where yeah, there's definitely like a need to know basis, and like things will only roll out once right. like the upper crust has like figured things out, and like you know, I was a fly on the wall in the, in some of those conversations, and like I knew things, and like uh, it just. Like, it is a different mindset to be like, this information is, like, quarantined and no one is allowed to know this information. Um, and, like, I still have to do that, like, even in, like, my current position. Like, I find out things before other people. And, um, yeah, it's a good practice in, like, like keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> Some people, <laughs> right. um, loose lips sink ships. Um, just... You know, I, I was at a like a event this one time and they're like, ah, oh, you can't tell that person anything. Like as soon as they hear it, like it's right, all yeah. coming out. Yep. And um, yeah, you just beware of the people who like gossip. I think that's also in the Proverbs, too. <laughs> right. Um, I'm,
0: um, so, so small, short little sidebar slash side quest thing. Uh, I like the 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 sitcom New Girl if you've ever seen mm-hmm. it uh, there's a
1: character his name's I've Nick I've seen a few episodes
0: yeah there's a character his name's Nick and he's there's these there's a few episodes where like people tell him secrets and he's like he's like notoriously bad at keeping secrets and <laughs> yeah, uh, like his back gets like all sweaty and stuff and so like in later seasons like if people think he has a secret they just like flip him around he's like oh you have sweaty back you're holding you have a secret uh. <laughs> that just reminded me of that that's um, funny. He's got to so, tell. Yeah. Shout out to new girl. Great sitcom. If you're looking mm-hmm. for something funny to watch.
1: Um. So. So we're at. Yeah, we're at like Nyla's viewpoint. So she sees like all of the Kez like getting ready to attack. And she is just like. She is left alone. Like Bo has left to go rescue Daniel because he figured it out you know, with the code breakers that Taniel was going to be attacked by two companies of, um, people with air rifles. So she's like at the front and Abrax is like, I need your help. And she's like, I'm, I don't know anything. She's like, I'm basically just a laundress. Um, and he's and Abrax is a little disgusted um, with her. I believe it's Abrax. It's definitely like an authority, like at the camp. Um, and then so she's like behind the lines and she's like trying to get herself psyched up. She's like all trying to like work it out. And then right. um something happens and her hand just like catches on fire. And then um you know, I know that you like the the part, Tyler, where Bo is explaining to Nyla how her powers are working. Um and so you have the two hands right for the privilege and then they each have um like the different elements and um Mm -hmm. Nyla is strongest in fire and she uses I think the ether to kind of like spark the fire and spread the fire so she's like tapping her fingers and like trying to coordinate like an attack and she like does she have a successful like fire before she like runs out to the front? I think she does. Yeah.
0: She gets her whole hand on fire and that's how she knows. She like kind of gets it, but she, she's like, Oh, I finally got it. And then she like runs out into the front and then she's like, no, I actually don't have it. Cause she was like failing to do it. But then it was one of those things where at the, at the very last moment she, she gets it. It's kind of like that heroic triumph kind of moment. But for her, mm-hmm. it's, the aftermath is not really a triumph for her. So she's kind of horrified by what she does. Um, But yes, they have like the, like each finger as Bo explained is like for a different element. So depending on what you're most powerful in, I guess there was five. I can't remember all of the five now, but there's like fire, earth, aether, and wind. Air Air is, yeah, I guess those are the five Mm maybe. That's, I'm missing. That was only four, but math isn't our strong suit we'll just we'll just do book discussions here we will talk about math (laughs) um but yeah i like i yeah again kind of a short little sidebar i do i did like in in this book where we got to explore more of the magic system because we did have Bo, essentially just teaching nyla what it means to be privileged like where your power comes from how do you you know uh uh control your powers um and just learning about like what it means to um, like have the life of a privileged and that's where like my quote from comes from at the beginning where he's talking to her about um, uh, like just ways to be like a better privilege like looking for the why and there's also a quote that I I didn't I almost picked this one but I didn't it was something about like you're like a privileged are just bad people that's just who they are. And so she was like, but I'm going to be a pri but I'm supposed to be a privilege. And then Bo was like, well, you already are privileged. And so you're just going to have to deal with that kind of that situation and that kind of, uh, mentality with how like a privilege is perceived. And, but then towards the end of the story, he's like, you need to be a better type of privilege. One that has like ethics and morals and those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, But yeah, I did like that part of this book. Because I kind of wish that we had more of that magic system exploration in the other books. Um, I think that would have made it a lot more interesting. At least knowing kind of like how the magic was working as we were seeing it. Because in books 1 and 2, it was a lot of magic is happening. And Bo is doing this weird sorcery thing. And we have no idea really what he's really doing. It just looks really cool and it has lots of explosions and whatever. So, I mean, that was kind of cool. But we didn't really get any of the underlying like workings of the magic system and how that was all happening from the from uh, like the foundational perspective of what was happening so uh that's how my mind works i like to explore the magic systems as a brandon sanderson fan uh he has he goes really deep into how like how the magic systems work and so yes sorry side quest sidebar completed there
1: oh yeah i um yeah, <laughs> I know. I know you were looking for the uh, the magic, how it worked, and stuff. So I'm glad you got it in book three. Came through. <laughs> Finally, we got it. <laughs> um. Um. So yeah, we. I mean, we left off at like the best part is like when Nyla goes out and goes like Super Saiyan on all these like cavalry that's coming in. Right. She like she like does the magic, and then there's like this pause, and then like. I think, like, just fire, like, erupts from, like, inside of her and then just, like, flows out in waves across the battlefield just, like, charring everything to a cinder and, like, all the oncoming Kez just meet a wall of fire and then there's, like, all these screams but then, like, the fire is so hot that they just, like, immediately die and uh, Nyla has wiped out, like, do you remember the number it was like 3500 is what they said 3500 people in like seconds um yeah just like that yeah
0: and she kept on asking Uh, like how many how many did i kill how many did i kill please tell me (laughs) and adamant's like you don't you don't want to go over that ridge let's let's not go over there you're gonna not like that experience if
1: you go over there and I'm going to bring in a psychology term. Uh, so this will be my little side quest called cognitive dissonance. So I'm going to read right. you a definition and an example. A definition and an example. The state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. Um, an example would be some examples of cognitive dissonance include smoking. Many people smoke even though. Uh, they know it is harmful to their health. The magnitude of the distance will be higher in the people who highly value their health. So that was just an example I pulled up off the Internet. Um, so, yeah, Nyla thinks that she's a good person. And then she knows that she killed like 3,500 people. And um, <laughs> Right. Th- that's a lot of people. Um, yes she was worried about the one that she killed with her fire hands earlier in the book. Right. And now she's yeah. killed thousands of people in, right. but Hey, good news is she turned the tide. And then Tyler and I were having this discussion before the podcast. Like, is it okay to kill? Um, and I, I generally feel like the answer is probably yes. If it's related to war, which is different from like, murder which is just like one human going after another human i feel like um when it is like the gov, like a nation versus another nation like going to war and killing is acceptable in god's eyes and the only reason i think that is because i think um c.s lewis was a vet and he kind of condoned it in one of his books. And I don't remember his whole theology, so I'm not going to go into that. But I think it's okay. That's something that I will probably look up on a Mike Winger YouTube channel and to see if he has anything to say about it. Right. Um, or if I can find more from C.S. Lewis on on why it was okay. But um, right, yeah, that's something that I kind of like there are many things in your faith that you just kind of like feel like are true, but then like you have to go back and justify right. them and you realize, Oh, yes. there's a gap in my knowledge and I need to like right. figure out, do I really believe this is, is this what the Bible is teaching? So, right. Um, it's a good, good practice. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, so, I can,
0: I can kind of, I was just going to look at this little section that she had, cause I found the, the section where she's having this, this conversation with herself. She says... Uh-huh. Uh, this is on page 142, if you want to follow along. it's She says, You're going to try and kill people? These are human lives you'll be ending. You're not a warrior. You're a laundress. They'll die in an inferno, burned alive, and the screams will haunt you the rest of your life. But, she argued, if I do nothing, then the wing's mercenaries will die. The infantry will be overwhelmed, and all their noncombatants will be put to the sword. That's what they're paid to do. So there's, the, there's her dilemma. She can either... She can either kill or she can let people be killed. So which one, which one is worse to let people die or to take the action to do the killing first. So,
1: and what does God want you to do? Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. It's, we're not saying it's an easy or like easy ethical choice to make. Um, But like, if you make it kind of personal, like if you're in a scenario where like your family is threatened and you have the choice to either kill the person threatening your family or let the person kill your family, like, you know, putting yourself in that situation, you're, you, like you're going yeah, you to defend do your family, right? Yeah. You're going to defend your family. And it's not that you wanted to do it, but you were put into a scenario where it was either him or them. And so, yeah, I don't know. There's, I, I know there's, there's Christians that would be on both sides of this issue. oh for sure so some people would say like it's not yours like if god wanted your family to die in that situation that is his will and you taking an action against what was going to happen uh is like going against the will of god and so there's multiple layers for kind of this question
1: that's why i'm interested in future defense weapons like i'm really interested in like Like because of that situation, like if I am a situation where I want to defend my family. Right.
0: But I don't want to kill kill people. But I don't don't want to to kill
1: people. Yeah, I think the future holds some cool answers. Like I think it'd be cool to have a like a a sonic weapon where I can like knock people over from far away. Right. Or just a straight up taser. Like give give them a taser. Right. I've seen the taser stuff it's it's for real (laughs) no it doesn't seem like being tased is a pleasurable experience and like you and then you have it connected to them you can be like don't move and if they start moving like it's not like shooting them you just be like well i'm gonna give you the juice if and if you move i'm gonna give you the juice you're just gonna sit there until the police come right (laughs) yes um
0: Um, but yeah that's a so i'm I'm interested in the yeah. yeah yeah that's a difficult moral question to, to ponder. So if you want to talk about the ethics and morality of, uh, war and death, uh, have a discussion in the comments, keep it civil. Give us your insights. Yes. Give us your insights. Try to keep it civil though, in the comments, if you can. All right. So we're going to continue on our, on our journey here. We are almost toward to the end. Um, so after the battle here we have um there's a like while this is kind of battle is happening Bo has left and he is on a he's on a mission to rescue taniel because he figures out where he is in a, like the general proximity because he figured out what those air rifles you know the companies were going after him and so he makes a beeline to try to get taniel and he's able to get there in time we have some scenes where taniel's kind of like He's like running through the woods, and he's like being very sneaky and um, dividing up the army in specific ways so that he can kind of get them in one-on-one fights. And um, I mean, he's a he's a veteran kind of warrior, and so he's able to do this uh, with um, some pretty good efficiency. And he's also what do we what do you say? He's the pretty version of a powder mage that we found out in Correct. book two. So he's kind of supercharged, and he doesn't need necessarily need powder to do a lot of damage um so there's also an actually interesting scene where he like he he doesn't have any powder anymore up there he's all out and so there's a there's a point in the story where he's like i actually don't miss the powder and he doesn't feel like he needs it anymore Um, but i think he goes and uses it later on uh in this half of the book so i just thought that was interesting maybe he's finding that he doesn't necessarily need it as much maybe that addiction might be coming to a close so interested to see if that what happens with that later on in the story um but so Bo is able to finally catch up with him and he's able to save him from the uh the uh the soldiers that are coming after him there's like one guy that's like completely splattered across this like rock face and tanya was like why did you have to do that and he's like I-, I should look up this quote <laughs> do you want to do you want to c- continue for a second while i looked up this quote because i just thought it was a, uh, it was an amazing quote
1: from uh from yeah Beau yeah sure um so at this point um when Bo and Taniel are reunited basically Taniel is now going to be safe and uh right Bo has like coerced it did you find it yeah I found it already wow that was fast go ahead I just
0: happened to open to the page I, was, I just got lucky wow um but he says uh Taniel is like he, he was spotted like a grape and he was like i was wondering why they were also so cooperative a little messy don't you think this is taniel and then bo says i found that a little messiness is like manure on a field when you're trying to cultivate fear oh. <laughs> that's some that's some bo quote for you
1: yeah yeah i just thought a that was dark I, I thought that was a good quote yeah it is
0: a little dark i mean bo is a little bit of a dark character he will he's done some some not so good stuff
1: he he's a little dark um like, like he has this, like, he cares very much about the people that he cares about. Yes. And he will F you up if you cross him. Right. If, you <laughs> that's, thre- if you threaten
0: that's, those people.
1: Yep. I mean, yeah. he, he tore Vetus's arms off just like, boom.
0: Like a spider.
1: He's not, he's not messing around. Yeah. Yeah don't want to don't want to make bo mad at you that's, yeah, that's you the don't. moral of the story <laughs> um, um yeah okay, so do bo, you want to keep
0: going yeah okay i can keep going yeah bo so so bo uh he rescues taniel and uh he's gonna go help and take him back but tamas actually arrives shortly and so Tamus did this thing where he uh he left the warfront because he was trying to get after his son, which is why I mentioned earlier that his real mission was to get Taniel back, not necessarily to like get back to the war, but he really wanted to save his son and uh, make amends with that relationship. And so he's he goes off from the war. And he goes after taniel and so he goes and finds them with Bo, and they all come back to the war front. And at this point, he gets back and they find out that they won the battle with all of uh tamis's tamis had left a bunch of uh orders and commands for the army while he was gone and this just shows you like the tactical genius of uh tamis because he basically like he like runs the whole the whole war or the whole battle in his head of what all the different scenarios could happen would be and he gives all these orders to Valora, and he's like, "Okay, hey, here's all the things that can happen. Here's what you should do if X happens. Here's what you should do if this happens, and all these things." And so Valora is the one that is enacting this vision of Tamus, but Tamus himself isn't actually there, and so um, this makes people when they later find out what happened. This makes people like Abrax and the wings of Adam very unhappy because they Tamus basically used the wings as like a as like a, a punching bag and he used them as a buffer against the Kez army so that he would lose less Andran soldiers and he would lo- they would lose more wings of Adam mercenary soldiers. And so this obviously makes them upset. <laughs> and so they decide that they're going to like kind of stay for the, the peace talks with the King of Kez, as we'll talk about in a second, but that they're ultimately, they're going to be withdrawing from the war. Uh, so that'll be something that we find out what happens with in the second half of the book, which will be certainly interesting. But so they have this, uh, this peace talks that are going to be going on because King Epile sends a messenger and he says he wants to talk peace because they just got defeated. And um, so they go and they have these peace talks and they go on for, I guess they go on for like basically a whole day. Right. And they don't come back until like very late in the night. And, uh, whenever they get back, they find out that there was a surprise attack on their camp that from the Kez. And so while they were talking peace, Ippoli had sent a like a strike force to go in and capture Kapol, who they have, I guess, for, for somehow, we're not sure how they know, but they know that Kapol, her sorcery is keeping Kresimir incapacitated. And they obviously do not want this to happen because they want Kresimir as their super powerful trump card god figure that will help them win the war and so in order to remedy this they go and do this little stealth mission they send in i think they said it was like it's like five thousand soldiers or something like that and uh like five privileged or something um but a, a decent sized force but five privileged is a lot of privileged and so And there's not going to be any privileged in their camp, and so they're severely outnumbered, except for Bo. But five against one is pretty bad odds, even though Bo is pretty powerful. So it does not end well, and Capole gets captured, and Bo is also gravely wounded. And there's this interesting kind of setup with what they did to Bo, because they have multiple privileged. They can kind of use their powers in tandem based on what they're um, they're more gifted at so like nyle is gifted in fire and so what they did was is they took these like metal spikes or rods and they had one privilege like heat them all up so they're really hot and then they had one uh with the earth like dig holes and then they had one flinging the flinging the rods uh with their air and so that's kind of an interesting kind of trio of all of the magical systems working together uh, or different aspects of the magic system working together to incapacitate bo because they tr- like trapped him in this like prison of rods and because they're so hot they're like essentially cooking him uh, it's like a little oven that they put him in and it was just it was yeah. a really unique way to kind of think about the magic system and what you could do with it so i don't know do you have any thoughts about this kind of section here and this ending with uh, bo getting put in this little prison
1: uh no, I think you uh you covered it like it is it's just very like unexpected, like right. Bo is like being heated to death um after this surprise privilege attack um on the Adran soldiers and they got Kapol. Um, so that means is does that mean that Kresmir is back on you know, back in play? Is he able to move around or is she still able to control him? We don't, we don't know at this point. All right. Um, and Tamas is, is worried. you know, he's like saying, you know, Krasimir might be back in play. So we have to prepare for that. Right. Um, as he's talking to Daniel about it. Well,
0: unfortunately, Kapol is not a viewpoint character because she doesn't, I guess she would have an inner monologue, but she can't, she's a mute, so she can't talk. So we're not going to get any like insight into what happened to her like directly unless there's mm-hmm. unless unless he adds something that hasn't been happened happened in the rest of the series she hasn't been a viewpoint character so um, we'll just have to kind of see secondhand what happened to her later on but i think she'll definitely give them a fight for sure and i think they're gonna have to figure out how to disassemble her uh, enchantments so maybe a couple will kill cresimir bold prediction here we go <laughs> Gabe knows the ending, so
1: <laughs> I I remember like two things. Like okay. I said, I have a bad memory. I was having trouble remembering all the things that happened. I mean, there's just a lot that happens. I felt like this right. There was lots of lots of intricacy to this like book. I just felt like with like the Halanska, the Double Cross, then like, you know, like I said, keeping those four like army divisions like in my head like we're attacking the same person, but it's only a feint, and we know that we're actually all going to attack the Kez. Like, there was just a lot of, like, minutiae right. going on in there.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, let's see. Um, so, Taniel pursues Kapol, Um So, he knows that she got captured, and because he loves her, which he told Tamus after their reunion, and so... Tamis obviously says, yeah, go, go back and get her. Well, one, they need her because she's holding Cressamere back. And two, because Taniel loves her. Those are two good reasons for them to go after her. And so he goes off on his own at the start. And then Tamas also sends a little, uh, like a little retinue of, uh, soldiers along right behind him, which contains, uh, Valora, um, Gavril, Gavril. and, uh, Olam's some of Olam's rifle jacks. So there's some some skilled uh some skilled soldiers there. Are the rifle jacks are they special because they have a knack? Is there, they have knacks? I think they were
1: just like the most senior like They're just the like most highly seasoned. trained. Yeah, and I feel like I thought Tamas was like combining the 7th and the 9th Brigades into one, like the new right. 7th, and they right. were the Rifle Jacks. And, like, if you think about those veterans who, like, you know, were at Budville and then they were trapped behind the Kez lines and they marched across the country with the threat of death, you know, right. on their doorstep and yeah. then they captured, uh, what was it Billy's son's name he's like trying he's trying to see tamas like right before the um he is yeah
0: i'm i'm very interested to see what he has to say actually i'm can't wait for that
1: yeah um but yeah so they the i think those are the rifle jacks and okay. uh, yeah that's a, so that's a very skilled crew going after kapol you know you have yep. two very powerful powder mages you have Gavril, who is just big strong in and commander and then the rifle Jacks. so yeah yes um and then i think uh then we have uh, another chapter from tamas's perspective and uh this is where he is like rallying the troops he's like we have to you know we've like taken they, care- they
0: betrayed us during peace talks and like all this kind of stuff
1: yep he's getting them riled up to um go after the Kez after this um, blatant you know he called the white flag was sacrosanct and um, yep. Ippoli just decided to act even under the white flag of truce um, and so he's got all of his general shouting and um, even the king of uh, Deliv comes, Sulim and he arrives and he gives his sword to Tamas to show that he will follow him into battle um, and fight against the Kez so this is what he's been waiting for he's been waiting for the 60,000 the reinforcements and you know with Tamas um on one side of the battle it's probably going to be lopsided tactically the Kez just have numbers like when you know Ippoly mentions that Nyla the untrained apprentice according to his spies say um that she's you know she's just an untrained apprentice you know, the response is um, that uh, I just have more men. I will always throw at you, so don't even worry about it. Right. So, yeah, you know, he is not a very humble man at all.
0: Um, and he's willing to just, like, toss his men aside just for the victory. He's like, yep. just throw more men, more men, more men. Don't care.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I like, um,
0: well, one, one thing about that scene is I liked where they're all kind of like sitting in there. He gathered all his officers and then he just like makes them wait. And they're just like, what are we waiting for? He's like, I'm waiting for someone to arrive. And he was waiting for the, the King of Delive to come. Um, Cause he wanted him to be a part of the, of the, the rallying cry to see him also with, with the support of the 60,000 to kind of give them, give them that final oomph of like, we have the 60,000 Delive troops. Let's go. We have the, we have the numbers we need to, to make this happen. So,
1: yeah, Tamás thinks those things out. He's he's, he's a good leader. He is. Good job, Brian McClellan. <laughs> Um Okay, so you want to take Adamant coming back to uh, to Budapest?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, Adamant's kind of been in the mix of all of this kind of stuff. He's just kind of been in the background for some of the big battle things, and uh, eventually he returns to. Adipest, because he doesn't really um, like he wants to be done with all of this kind of war stuff and he's done with you know trying to help Taniel or Tamus with all his war things and we didn't talk about this but I'll mention it now uh, during the battle there was a warden that came and attacked the lines and the warden was going after Adamant and he looks this warden like right in the face and he realizes that the warden is his son Joseph Um, we don't have like confirmation about this, that this is officially true, but this is what he feels is true to him. And he sees the face and his eyes and he knows that it's his son. And so he's, this is, this is for him. He's like, well, now my mission to have Bo help me go get him back is pointless. And so he's just going to go home and he, he, uh, he has to tell his wife that, uh, his son is, their son is dead and cuz he doesn't want to tell Fay that Joseph is a warden which i mean that's like a, a he, in Adam's mind that's a fate worse than death because he wants to like amend the deal with Bo he's like i want you to help me kill my son instead um mm-hmm. so we'll see we'll see what happens with that because Bo is not really going to be able to do that because of how He's, uh, he's a bit incapacitated because they put that rod through his like kneecap. It was pretty graphic that they were, how they were describing that. Like they, yeah, and then Nyla like just like flung this rod out. Yeah. So yeah, it was not she a got her fire hands going, not a pretty picture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so he goes back home and, uh, he's going to go help Ricard Tumblr with his election Tamus initially asked him to help him go take down Lord Claremont, but he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm already in. T- I've done too many things. I've- I need to be done with all this stuff. But I think in true Adam and Fasten, because he's a Patriot, I think he's going to do it anyways. <laughs> he's going to come to the conclusion that he needs to do it, um, even though he doesn't really want to. Um, or he thinks it's maybe not a good decision, I'll say. Um, but I think he'll just kind of get dragged back in because that's kind of who Adam and is. And he wants to he wants to help his country. And he he when he's talking to Faye, like Faye doesn't understand why he feels the need to like go off and do these things, and why can't he just like come home and be with the family and just like live a normal life? And Adamant's like, doesn't she understand? Like I have obligations to the country. Like I'm there's more important things. Like she's almost he's, he's almost in a way like saying, like my my allegiance to my country is more important than. The allegiance to my family that's kind of the vibe that i was getting from him Mm -hmm. Um, which is an interesting perspective because i don't know that i would necessarily have that same opinion i would feel like my allegiance is more towards my family and less towards my country i don't know if you would feel the same way but
1: um, oh for sure yeah i am definitely feel called to be with my family i am actively pruning things out of, um, my life for the next couple of months as I uh, get ready for, um, you know, God willing, the birth of my son. And, uh, you know, I just know that my wife needs help and I want to be around here more. And like, uh, I do see a lot of people who just choose to continue living like a singles lifestyle, like, I want to go out, I want to right. drink, you know, I want to do these things. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there. and I'm not saying those things are wrong. Please don't say that I'm calling people out who go out and have a drink and like go to the bar and stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when you are consistently choosing that over doing things for your family and not just like above and beyond things, but like basic things, like, Hey, right. we haven't really talked this week, and I think I'd rather go to the bar than see your face. Right, you know, like that—that's the point where right. we're like, yeah, yeah, you need to kind of readjust your right. your values, and <laughs> that's what I'm thinking at least. Right, you're, you're entitled to your own values, but we're right. trying to we're trying to work with you a little bit, right? <laughs> it's, well,
0: I mean, there value, is
1: the... value your family, yes, and value the relationship of your spouse, and yes. treat it like gold. Do right. that,
0: yeah. So I don't think. I don't think uh, Adam, going to get husband of the year award uh, for this <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> in this book. Um, but there is that passage as you were talking. I w- thought of this. There was that passage in scripture. Uh, it says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think I've mentioned this before, probably in, in another podcast, but I think most people think it's where your heart is there, your treasure will be. But it's actually the opposite where your treasure is there, your heart will be. So where you're spending your money, where you're spending your time, then your heart will go towards those things naturally because you're oh, yeah. you're obviously you're it's important to you because you're spending money on it. You're spending a lot of time on it. Um, and so if you're if your heart is in being somewhere else rather than your family, you're by just that action alone is saying that you value those things more than uh, being with your family or, you know, whatever else it could be, maybe your faith or your job or something like that.
1: So, yeah. Yep. It's very easy to identify your idols. Um, right. If you're spending lots and lots of money on one particular thing, or, um, if you are spending lots and lots of time on one particular thing. Right. Um, yeah, it's, I, I like that. I like that, um, Bible passage as well. I definitely think about that. And because of that, I will encourage people to, if you haven't check out, um, Dave Ramsey's, um, financial peace university, right? (laughs) My wife and I, we need to make a budget. We need to get on it fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we had the good fortune to have some, um, some pay increases. We finally got professional jobs that were no longer like year to year things, um, and so like we've had more money than we're used to and um now things have come back to reality and like the extra money is gone and now we need to buckle down and 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 put our money where we think god wants us to put our money and not just be drawn by like oh i'm feeling lazy tonight let's get like let's order food that will you know we won't have to cook and stuff So we want to honor God by like taking the things that he has provided to us and then like choosing what to do with it versus like being reactionary and just like, Oh, I'll spend money on this. I'll spend money on that. We need to be more intentional about our, our, um, our spending. When we talked about that over, over winter break, we're still working on it though.
0: Right. Yeah. That's all that kind of stuff is definitely a work in progress. For us as well. And there's you always, I feel like you never feel like you always do it hundred percent. Right. You're always like, ah, we could have done better this month or I went and bought that thing and I didn't really need to buy it. And you know, there's always stuff like that where, but yeah, you can just work on it over time and try to get better. So, um, but yes, back to uh, our story in Adam. And so he, he tells Faye that Joseph is dead and she's obviously very, very sad about that. And, but now she's like, yeah, you have to stay home and, but Adamant is like, well, I got to go help Ricard out with his election. And she's like, why would you do that? That's stupid. And, uh, then there's a Sue Smith shows up at their house and he's like, um, there was a, there was a bomb at Ricard tumblers. I don't remember the, I don't remember the specific location of Ricard tumblers, like headquarters or something like, uh, maybe it's like the union headquarters or something. And, um, Mm -hmm.
1: It's like in a warehouse district, and right, like yeah. I remember Tanya walking in and being like, "This looks like a warehouse," but it's like, right, insanely opulent on the inside, and like, right, just to the nines, <laughs> right.
0: I was I was trying to look on. Oh, number sixteen. If you look on the map, at the beginning of the book, <clears throat> number sixteen. Which is in the factory district, way kind of on the outskirts of town, is the union headquarters. So there you go. We found it. Thank nice. you, Brian McClone, for maps. Maps are helpful. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's a bomb of Ricard on the union headquarters. And so Adamant goes there because he was going to go help Ricard Tumblr with his election anyway. So he goes to kind of figure out what was happening. And I guess there was um, this massive bomb where they were having a party there and some people were killed and ricard feels really bad about it obviously and um so now uh tamis is or not tamis uh, Adamant is going to try and investigate what uh what is happening with this um and then for kind of the last few scenes we have um adamant who is going to be meeting with uh lord claremont who we haven't seen in quite a while um so it's kind of good to see him again uh gabe you want to talk about this last section of the book here
1: sure um so lord claremont we the only time the only time we get words from him are at the end of book two when he arrives in adipest and um kind of declares himself himself like savior of the city um, but we also know that Claremont is the employer of Vitas, and we know how ruthless and cutthroat right. Vitas was. Um, how utterly without morals or sympathy or empathy for anybody he acted. So, um, we, you kind of like transpose those character qualities to Claremont? So you you know that this is a ruthless man, and at one point. So Adamant is going to talk to him about the bombing, and so he's like trying to, uh, you know, figure out, you know, did Claremont bomb him? Um, and Adamant is accompanied by um, a few people. Um, I forget there's like, exactly. There's
0: like a police officer that's like, it's like someone from the st- from the city who's investigating. I think who's with him. And then he was with Sue Smith, but Sue Smith was like, I'm going to wait outside. <laughs> and Adam was like, uh, okay. <laughs> that yeah. was, that was basically what happened with that one.
1: Mm-hmm. So we meet Claremont and he's basically saying like, I'm not your man. And if I want, and at one point he's like, if I wanted Rickard Ricard Tumbler dead, he'd be dead. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: very matter uh, yeah. of fact.
1: Yep. Um, But he's saying that he has the best chance of winning the election. He's got, like, this new special sponsor that's, like, going to help him, you know, in the election. And um, and at the end, we learn that this is all true because um, there's a knack in the room, um, a knacked person, and they are able to detect lies. They can hear lies. And so everything that Claremont says is true. Um. And then Adamant is kind of like pulled aside by Claremont and they talk privately and Claremont's just like, Hey, remember that time I captured your family and tortured your son? And like, let's just, let's just leave the past in the past. And Adamant says, I'll see you dead. (laughs) So he just very clearly delivers his threat. Like you're going to (laughs) die and I want you dead. Um, and then, uh, we, we have the tail end of this last chapter. We end on this little like zinger by Adamant. He's, he, so he's going in, he's going into Claremont's office and there's this big, bright morning light behind Claremont and he's sitting at his desk. Adamant just gets this weird feeling about the room and he's just like, he can't put his finger on it. And then he's like trying to think about, it. he's like, why am I so thrown off by this room? And he realizes at the end of the chapter that Claremont casts no shadow. <laughs> bum, bum, bum.
0: Oh, boy. What does it mean, everybody? Ooh.
1: What it, does it mean?
0: Leave your thoughts in the comments. Yeah, I don't know what it means.
1: We know, we know one thing. Okay. what's What do we know? Something supernatural is going on.
0: All right. That's a good, that's the,
1: that's the only thing that we really know from that statement. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think about what thinking of all the, the stuff that's happened with the magic system in this book series. I, I was trying to think about what could, what could be the thing that is doing that to him or what is like somebody possessing him? Is there like some kind of, is he like a God incarnate or something like that? Or is his, uh, um, his sponsor, somebody super magical and powerful who's doing some stuff in the background. Um, yeah. So I'm not hundred percent sure of where this is going to go. So it will be interesting for, for this last half. This of the is book.
1: one of the things I do remember. Okay. So this was important <laughs> enough that Gabe remembered
0: it. So that's good.
1: Yeah. And and I also know one other big thing that's going to happen, um, and then trying to remember all the all the other details. But I know those those two main things stuck with me even through the years. I, I remember them so.
0: Very good. Well, that's where we uh, that's where we leave our our heroes here at the end of this first half of the book. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what's going to happen as at the wrap up. Um, I enjoyed kind of getting the, the reunion of Tamis and Daniel cause they've been away from each other for basically a, a whole book. Um, and so getting them back together was, has been really nice. And I think there's still some tension there between them. So, um, uh, I was thinking about like, like what might happen in this last half of the book and this last part of the series. And I was I, th- I have a feeling that Tamus is one of those characters that's going to have to die. So I don't know if that's going to be something that happens. I'm going to try and read Gabe's face as I say this to see if it's true. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's going to have to be like some, I feel like a major character should die. I don't really like it when stories end and like everyone survives and they live happily ever after. Wow. That's so nice. Um, but I feel like this story is dark enough, at least Powder Mage in general, and Brian McClellan writes it, like it's a dark enough story that I feel like some characters should be, should be dying at the end, or maybe Adamant has to die, so he has one last act to save his family, and that really shows his true colors, that he's a family man, or I don't know, something like that, where somebody needs to have some kind of last stand, or maybe Vlora will die for Taniel. To show her show her true love for him and that she was really sorry for what she did um because they kind of have still have a little beef about what happened with valora uh sleeping with the other man and uh yeah so there's some stuff that i feel like could happen and could be interesting <laughs> i see gabe having some little smirks there so
1: <laughs> one of your predictions is true
0: okay one of them is true so we get that confirmation um but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. You to said seeing... three of them. I will not say which one. Right. Yeah. So, well, at least I was. I was. I'm on the right track for some yeah, of the storylines. Yeah, you always. are. You are.
1: So, yeah. I'll... My brain doesn't think that way. Like, I, like I like when I'm in a story, I'm not usually like like making predictions like that. Um, I think that doing this podcast has kind of changed that about me. But like normally I'm just like, oh, what's going to happen next? Right. And I don't think like that larger picture like that, except in movies, dude, movies like someone will say a line. And just because I know playwrights and people who write script, like everything has significance. And like, you know, in a book, you don't have to have that sort of approach because you can just go on for pages and pages about like what was at the dinner table and people will keep reading it. Cause they like the story. Um, <laughs> Wheel will time. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking uh, game of Thrones. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, same, same thing. Um, <laughs> that's, sorry. That was all I was going to say. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't, I think I just, I was just kind of like thinking of those, on the fly I was I don't whenever I'm reading I'm not like actively like oh I think now that this thing happened that maybe this thing will happen over here later on in the story like every so often something I'll read something I'll be like oh that's interesting and I think this thing will happen because of that so if something isn't is like interesting enough to me that that will just kind of pop into my head but yeah I don't really try to do predictions too much because I like to kind of be I kind of I'm kind of like you like I like to kind of see where the story goes and kind of be surprised of what what will happen. I don't really try to do a lot of predictions, but yeah, definitely with the podcast. I I do try to think about like what would happen based on the things that have already happened in the story and for previous books as well. How will all of these kind of things wrap up and tie together and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, if you guys have predictions uh, for the last half of the book. Let us know. It'll be interesting for sure to see the very end of the story. Um, yeah, I think uh, at the end here, I have a section on some major themes. We kind of talked about a little bit of these as we just kind of went through the story. But one of the big themes that I noticed throughout this book, this first half of the book, is just family and friendship. And there's a few relationships. There's Tamis between Tamus and Daniel, like the father-son relationship. There's Bo and Daniel, which is like a really uh, good friendship kind of thing. And then we have Adamant and Faye, which we already kind of really talked about with him not really focusing on his family and her kind of wanting him to be more present and him not really him being drawn more towards his uh, love of country and patriotism and less towards uh, his family, Um, which is interesting because like he really is. He really does love his family, but I feel like he's maybe he has a mindset where he's like. If there's no country to live in, then the family life is irrelevant or something like that. Maybe he's kind of taking like a higher level approach to it or um, I'm not sure, but we'll have to see. Um, but the Bo and Tanya relationship has been interesting as well because there's a uh, a section of the book where Bo's like, he's my only friend. He's literally my only friend and he will do basically anything for Tanya to get him back. And so, like, he's on a mission to go back and get Taniel. And Tamus is also on a mission. Like, he's my only son. He is my boy. I'm going to get him back, and I'm going to ignore everything else. The war, all the other generals are going to be mad at me, you know, whatever. I'm going to ignore all those things, and we're going to go back and get Taniel. So we have Bo and Tamus both going to, like, the ends of the earth to uh, get him back because they love him. Um, so, yeah. you were- Looks like you were going to say something there, so I'll let you jump in.
1: Uh, No, I was just uh, looking through the scripture that you chose. Do you want to share those with us? Sure,
0: yeah. Um, So I have two passages from uh, Colossians 3. So the the first one is verses 12 through 13, which say, uh, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." And I put this under the Tamis and Taniel uh, relationship because I feel like they, there's some am- animosity between them. and I feel like they both need to forgive each other for things that have been done in the past. Like Taniel has kind of been like kind of skirting command and he kind of just does whatever he wants and he doesn't really respect authority. And Tamis doesn't really like that about him. Um, but Tamis on the same, same wavelength is not really the great father and he's demanding and he's hard and he's not, he doesn't really show his love very well towards Taniel and Taniel maybe thinks that like he just Taniel, like he only wants Taniel to just do the war things and be a killer. And he doesn't really want him for uh, family reasons. And just because he's a son, like he loves him because he loves him because of what he can do in the battlefield, not because he's his son. Um, and so the, I think there's some, some strife there between them And I think, you know, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, like that was the phrase that I uh, thought about for this uh, for this relationship, because they both need to do some mutual forgiving for the relationship to be completely amended. Um, So that's what I have for that particular passage. Um, and then this, the next one is just uh, verses twenty and twenty one, also in Colossians three, which is just children obey your parents and everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And this is like the, basically the exact dynamic that Tamus and uh, Taniel have. Uh, Taniel doesn't really doesn't always obey Tamus and what he asks him to do, but Tammas is constantly provoking Taniel. Um, and so, because of that, I think Taniel does become discouraged in terms of his like self identity and self worth. So, those are my those are my thoughts. <laughs> what do you think? I think about the that?
1: ultimate like um, disca- prov- uh, no provocation that right. Tamis does is in book one where he tells him to go kill his best friend. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's like the epitome of like provoking a child. Yeah, I need you to go kill your best friend sorry that's just like that is bad parenting please don't do that (laughs) yeah because
0: i remember in that scene actually now that you mention it because he says Daniel's like i i'm not gonna do that unless you order me to do it essentially Mm -hmm. and so he has to order him to do it from a command perspective not because like Tano wouldn't just do it because Tamus asked. Like if Tamus just asked him because he's his father, he wasn't going to do that. But because he's his commanding right. officer, now he has to do it because he'll get, you know, he could get thrown out of the, out of the, the army. So, yeah. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Dana, did you have any other thoughts on those passages or just some of the other relationships that I mentioned there?
1: Um, Just the forgiveness part is always good. Um, it is... Remember, forgiveness is a gift to yourself. Um, Don't let people who spend like who have upset you. Don't let them win more by not forgiving them. And and remember that just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you have to trust them in that capacity again. Like if someone has hurt you or betrayed you. Like, it is possible to forgive them and then never give them, like, the opportunity to do it again. Like, that is totally within right. your boundaries. Yes. Um. I mean, it, but it does get difficult when it comes down to, like, family relationships and, like, you are right. a kid inside of a household. Like you don't have control over that situation. But if you are an adult and you are living on your own and living your own lifestyle, you definitely can set boundaries against people who have hurt you in the past. But always forgive them. Don't let people who have hurt you like continue to hurt you because you're only hurting yourself. You're the only one going through that struggle. Don't don't make it harder for yourself. Just forgive them. Move on. And you don't have to trust them in those situations again.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. Cool. Um, The last thing, we already kind of talked about this with Nyla a little bit, as we mentioned. Um, Just like her struggle with dealing with the power that she has and she's using her power to do evil things to save the people that she loves. So like where is the kind of the ethical and the moral line in that situation? We already kind of talked about that, so I will leave that. You can go back later in the podcast and re-listen to that section if you so desire um so that's gonna do it uh any last thoughts on this uh this section this half of the book
1: um i i want to remember the end of this book um two important things that i remember and uh i don't know the rest so i forget how like things play out with all of our different characters so i'm just looking forward to uh rereading the end of this book and um remembering the finer details because i you know what i've decided like when we do the podcast like it is a different level because we're going into like analysis right Right. and there's a difference between like just watching something versus like analyzing it because when you analyze something and it's something that's good you usually go into the realm of like appreciation like i like Cause you can see the bigger story, like, you know, going into the wheel of time books, you know, for the podcast has made me like, like before I, you know, I definitely had like a working memory of like, this is what happened in like the previous five chapters. And, um, like I remember this part, these parts of the book, but like, I don't have an appreciation for the full narrative of the wheel of time, but now that right. we're doing it on the podcast, like I do. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm appreciating the books more. Um and so yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing the culmination of this trilogy um one more time. And yeah, it'll be good. How about you? Any predictions? You wanna talk? Well, you already gave me yeah. three and I, <clears throat> I told you one of three. them was true. Yeah.
0: I don't uh I can't think of any <laughs> thing else off the top of my head um i hope we get more magic system reveals and just seeing you know what's going on with that um also the kresimir kapol kind of showdown will be interesting and um yeah i just don't know if it's going to end with like kresimir dying um because we kind of got like in book two we kind of got a little bit of a glimpse with mahali talking about like the relationship between the different gods and how they have different like they're kind of like human gods because they they're like super powerful but they're kind of they like kind of came to earth in a way and so yeah i don't know just maybe seeing more of that kind of stuff happening um i'm i always just kind of i like i like to see like very high level world building and magic system discussion so anytime i can get those things in a in a fantasy book, I will be paying attention because uh, I like to mm-hmm. kind of learn the intric- intricacies of those things and how all of those things affect the world. Um, so that's, that's what I'll be looking forward to on top of my other various predictions that I had said earlier. Um,
1: I was just thinking back through the things that you said. You actually made two correct predictions oh
0: my gosh now I'm gonna, whenever okay, i really look at you whenever i re-listen to the well when i'm editing i'm gonna have to think about which ones they are <laughs>
1: yep you should do that
0: all right <laughs> cool well i know i'm glad i'm on the right track for predictions so that's that's exciting mm-hmm. um all right that's gonna do it i got nothing else uh the next episode is obviously going to be the finale of the powder mage trilogy and the end of the autumn republic and yeah, it's going to be uh, a great ending to this to the series, and uh, I'm excited that you guys are joining us. Uh, as always, you can check out more pages of light content at pagesoflight.com, and you can also follow us on all of the various social media platforms. And go over to the YouTube as well and subscribe, so you can check out the video version and some of the other uh, videos that I have put up on the channel as well. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify and i've also started i think i'm going to start if i haven't already um with vinland saga making uh spotify also have the video version of the podcast as well because spotify supports video podcasts so i think you can also check out the video version on spotify if you so desire so something else you can do uh that's going to do it thank you very much for watching or listening as always remember to keep reading and share the gospel with somebody this week And we will see you guys in the next episode. See you later. Bye.